What's Brewing Sports. I think that they're going to be kind of the, the surprise Cinderella team. Just defensively, just get incrementally better. Everybody has lived up and failed expectations. That's it. The box score is what the box score is. It sucks for them. It. <laughs> so what's going on with the San Antonio Spurs? That's what's brewing. All right. Welcome to What's Brewing Sports episode 14. I am Andrew Brott. Along with me, as always, Richard Oliver. 14 episodes. 14. So this is the Pete Rose episode. That's right. That's right. That's right. I've always tried to equate the numbers. I, I've noticed that. I've yeah, noticed yeah. that. Yeah. Pete Rose episode. So I was uh, I was on our app the other day, just kind of scrolling through. We now, by the end of this podcast, we will roughly have recorded 1,400 minutes nice. of material. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. I love that. I don't know what that is, but it is something. <laughs> it's some 1,400 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, I don't know how to put that in context. I don't either. It sounds impressive, though. It sounds impressive. Does it, though? Yeah. 1,400 minutes. I'm 1,400 just, minutes logged. Listen, I'm just happy to be around for that. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, so we, we talked a few weeks ago about heading into the springtime and how everything happens. Right. Not only we just got done with Fiesta in San Antonio, the stuff that has nothing to do with sports. Right. But uh, but it's it's a great time in San Antonio, a lot of energy. But on the sports side of things, just nationally, we had the Kentucky Derby. That's right. We had we've had a lot of baseball. We can certainly talk about the Kentucky Derby. Had a lot of baseball happening, uh, sure. obviously. Uh, and the NBA playoffs have been going, and it's been that. I really want to get into that a little bit because that's been energetic. Sure, sure. Let's just say it's you become know. a little bit of a hot topic. Yeah, and in San Antonio, it's a it's a it's a painful topic because Kawhi Leonard is good. Yeah. He is good. He is he is good. He's, he might be great. <laughs> I would say he's, I, I'm saying he's great. I mean, there's a reason why they talk about him being a top five player. Yeah, yeah. It's just in case you've forgotten over the last, it's been a couple of years in San Antonio since he played here, but oh my gosh. So we had that going on. But later in our broadcast, Andrew... We have a treat for everybody. Yes, we do. Reed Ryan, the president of the Astros, will be with us live, and we very much look forward to that. And let me tell you, I did a little bit of digging the other day on this guy. The business acumen of this individual is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just his awareness. You know what what really impressed me was his wherewithal uh, to engage with fans and how he uses those engagements to really – help build the structure and the foundation of the team and the experience with people. But he's notorious for this. He's notorious yeah. for meeting with people, uh, listening to their ideas, their experiences mm-hmm. with, with things presently, and then making adjustments accordingly. And, uh, you know, uh, Houston Chronicle did a business article on him the beginning of uh, April, I believe, and it's really impressive. Really, really impressive. When you think of his pedigree. Yeah. And, and again, you know, when we talk about Reed Ryan, we're ca- talking, of course, about Nolan Ryan's son. That's right. Uh, and Nolan Ryan, of course, an icon, a legend in, in Texas. Probably one of the names, Tom Landry, Roger Staubach, Nolan Ryan. I mean, you could, there's just a few names that kind of just rise to the top uh, in Texas sports history. Uh, he's got to be, you know, first, of course, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I covered him back when I was in college. I did a lot of Astros games when he pitched there in the late 80s into the 90s. 
uh, it was it was just so much fun to to watch that guy operate just on a professional level. Right. And I liked being around him so much that I named my son after him. Right. Uh, Ryan, uh, my son, named after Nolan Ryan. Now, I say all that to set up the fact that we had the opportunity to talk to Reed because I've I've been a part of that family just just on the periphery for a long time. I've watched them operate for such a long time, and it's been amazing. I'm from Corpus Christi. I had pounded for years as sports editor of the Caller Times in Corpus Christi to get baseball into Corpus Christi. They had independent league, all kinds of different things over the years, but everything failed. You know, the Texas-Louisiana League came in for a couple of years with a team called the Barracudas, uh, which was a lot of fun back in the 90s. But I tell you, Andrew, to, uh, after I left and moved to New York, uh, Nolan Ryan comes in, recognized the market. He had helped to build the baseball stadium at Texas A&M Kingsville, um, I popped up to shortstop in the celebrity softball game against him. So that's my one swing against Nolan Ryan because he pitched everybody. Uh, but uh, they built Whataburger Field down there. They did that. Right. You know, they put that, that field in there. Ryan Sanders Ryan baseball. Sanders, right. Then in Round Rock, they had already built the Taj Mahal of minor league ballparks up at Round Rock. They, the first one that had a swimming pool out in right field. Uh, they recognize that it's a fan experience. And when, when we talk to Reed, uh, we're going to ask him about that, the idea of Minute Maid Park and the fan experience part of it and how important that is because they know this stuff. They understand it. And Reed's one of those guys, uh, to your point. He's got acumen. He understands what the fan wants. Uh, but let me tell you something. He also, uh, and we're going to talk to him about the idea of the Astros and Spurs being trying to be, uh, the Astros trying to do what the Spurs have done. And that is put together a franchise that is consistent, that ex- has expectations of excellence, that has that brings in players that will buy into a system, uh, that will be a part of something special over a long haul, not just this year. Hey, we did it, and we're done. We're moving on. Right. You know, uh, the Astros have that kind of dedication with owner Jim Crane all the way down. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to to Reed Ryan and kind of get his perspective on things. So, again, that coming up later in our podcast, Reed Ryan, the president of the Astros, will be talking. Right, uh, right. I mean, as you do, as you have in your conversations when you sit down at the table, you invite the president of the Astros to come in. Of course. Just weigh in on some things. This is just the start, my friend. That's right. That's That's right. right. Well, that's that's why we set this thing up. We're going to send a little note to Donald Trump. (laughs) See if he wants to talk a little bit. uh, Oh, no. New York Giants football. Oh, no. Something. We'll see what's going on. And we'll talk about his golf game. Yeah. Like to get a, you know what? You got to ask these things. I, you, know you know what? I, I, I really, I look forward to those answers. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. All right. So I, I, I bring this up to you. Okay. So now we talk about what's great about Houston. Uh-huh. In my view. Right. Is the Houston Astros. Sure. What's great about Texans. Okay. 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 All What's right. funny? I, I acknowledge their presence. Exactly. That's San Antonio in a nutshell. Texans. Eh, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. They're not. They're not the Cowboys. <laughs> you know, the, the shadow exactly. of the Cowboys. You know, that's everybody's response. Texans. They're not the Cowboys. They're not the Cowboys. That's, that's the catchphrase that goes along with the Texans. Sorry. All right, but here, listen. We are in San Antonio, sitting at the at La Mansion de Oliver at our at my kitchen table. We're talking sports as we do each and every week. Right. We talk about the Astros. How much we love them. In sure. Houston. But the Texas Rangers, in my view, probably 1B. Right. The Houston Rockets are just, it's just hatred. Yes, yes. They're not, it's not like, I don't know how I could love the Houston Astros like I love them. 
And then you turn around and the Houston Rockets are just detestable to me. Yeah. They're yeah. just detestable. I think I think James Harden is detestable. <laughs> he can score, but he can't play defense. You know, he's 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 emblematic of everything I think is wrong with the NBA right now. Right. And uh, but that brings me up to a really interesting column you and I went back and forth on. A writer out on the West Coast who basically covers a lot of the Golden State Warriors kind of brought forth the idea that last week the Rockets leaked, someone with the Rockets leaked out that last year they had sent to the NBA a complaint about 81 foul calls that were missed in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals that the wrong, basically the wrong champion was crowned. Right. Because they got screwed out of getting into the NBA Finals because of these foul calls. Now... We have in San Antonio joked for years about Mike D'Antoni face. Oh my gosh. The yes. Mike D'Antoni face yeah. that he made when the Spurs were stepping all over the Phoenix Suns on the way to the titles and getting it, you know, just, just all those moments, you know, back in the 2007, you know. And then he goes to New York and gets the, the, the D'Antoni face. And yeah. now we're seeing it now yeah. with the Rockets. And I tell you, it's just so glorious and fun <laughs> and neat. To see that kind of thing happen where, you know, where you're, you're, you're seeing D'Antoni and the Rockets, who I think are the whiniest team in the NBA. I think, Andrew, I'm telling you, they are the whiniest team. And to see a columnist posture last week after this report was released that they had complained to the NBA that they had been screwed out of getting to the NBA finals and blah, 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 that, uh, that they are now the most hated team in sports. What do you think of that? Oh, it doesn't surprise me. But do you think they're the most hated team in sports? In sports, that's a big the range. The most hated franchise in America. That's a big range. Uh, you know what? I think that they're the most hated team of what's happening now. Right. How about that? Right. Because, you know, I don't... Oh, that's true. It, it, it's an ebb and flow. Well, yeah. because NFL's not happening right now. So, you know... There's a, a lot of the hatred that exists in the NFL is kind of on pause. For it's, the Patriots. It's, it's put up on People the shelf. People hate the Patriots. They hate Belichick. They That's hate right. Brady. That's right. They'll pull it down and dust it off about August, right? right and right. get that back out. And, right. you know, like your Christmas lights. You'll pull right. that out and you start to put all that up. And, uh, <laughs> oh, it's the NFL season. It's time to hate for the Patriots. That's right. It's time to hate the Patriots. That's right. It's trying to bring out my oh, hatred the again. I hate the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have friends who hate the Cowboys. They I, hate have those friends guys. That, I have friends that live in Dallas that hate the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. It's, I, it's hilarious. Yeah. I, I hate aspects of the Cowboys that's for sure <laughs> but uh yeah definitely right now I think they're the most hated franchise think, for sure and James Harden is a big part of that oh he's a huge part now, of it you know he exploded I mean we, we you and I watched game three or talked about game three Warriors uh Rockets the other night Rockets had to win at home they did they won in overtime right uh but but Harden and the Rockets are complaining and, and actually if you're a Spurs fan you're listening to these complaints that the Rockets had about the Warriors of the first couple of games you understand it they're, hey, they're getting underneath us on our three-pointers. Right. They're coming down. Hey, Spurs, you should understand this. Kawhi Leonard doesn't come down on Peculia. Or, or I never can pronounce the guy's name. Right? <laughs> Zaza. Doesn't come down on Zaza's, you know, and, and turn his ankle like he did. Spurs probably win that series right. a couple of years ago. Right. That's the kind of stuff the Rockets are complaining about now with the Warriors. <sighs> However that works out. It's different when they complain. Well, because they're detestable. So let me let me talk about that, actually, because Scott Van Pelt did a great little expose of this whole thing on social media, did a little quick recording, whatever, sent it out on Twitter. 
And I reposted this, I think, on our social media. And I thought it was very telling. It was also really well done. He highlights that there's a difference. If you pay attention to Harden's game, there is James Harden, the shooter, and James Harden looking for a foul. Yeah, These are yeah. not the same player. Yep. James Harden, when he goes for a shot, like any other player, has very little movement from where he starts his jump shot. Mm -hmm. James Harden looking for a foul has like a 50-yard range from where he starts the shot and where he ends up. Right. And you can see that. And so, yes, technically by the rule, when he comes down, there's a player there, but you can't jump across the court from, from sideline to sideline on top of somebody and all of a sudden claim that's a foul. Right. Because you had no intent of trying to make the shot. Right. You're you're just trying to abuse he the system. He has been gaming the system it's, and, all and year it, long. It's just grossly apparent at this point. And yeah. I think the refs, they, they realize that. They see this and they just, no, we're not going to give you and that. And it's interesting in the postseason so far, Harden's not getting to the line. No. Now, this is the guy that by far, by far, it has more free throws than any player in the NBA. Every year because he games the system so bad. Right. And now, listen, if you're a Rockets fan, you love it. Obviously, like we loved Manu. Exactly. I know he flopped, and we know all that kind of stuff, but but we loved Manu. We loved his game. If you're a Rockets fan, you love his game. You want to win. It's, it's the Seinfeld edict. You love the laundry. You love the laundry. But yeah. let's just say, I mean. Oklahoma City doesn't love him. Right. You know. But Manu Ginobili definitely earned his lumps with the – the no, calls that he got. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, contributed uh, a very sensitive part of the body. That's for right. That's right. James Harden, you know, if you blow on him, then his hands are waving around in the air. He yeah. looks like a wacky, wavable, inflatable thing, and he's, he's looking for a phone <laughs> call. Go car wash. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Call the president of the NBA. I've been but now abused. The, the, bigger, the bigger discussion, though, is, uh, which I thought was interesting, was against the backdrop of the Rockets complaining and the NBA, fine, and, the NBA and all the officiating is, officiating these days. We saw it. Now, we saw it in the Kentucky Derby, and I'm, just, and I'm reaching on this, but we saw it in the Kentucky Derby where a, a ruling decided to finish that race because the horse interfered with the other horse, uh, and all the Saints fans are saying, hey, how come they can do that in the Kentucky Derby, but you can't rule on a pass interference? That's right. But officiating, I bring up the Saints and the NFL playoffs and the, just the, the, the awful things that are happening. Officiating across the board in sports right now, is just abysmal. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's really strange to watch. Just the inconsistency and the failure to see obvious things. And um, I'm, I've never seen it like this. It's a good point. And it's interesting because I don't know if it's because of the rise of technology. And so now we can almost instant replay anything. And certainly if you're right. watching anything right. on TV, you can Right. Because you've got TiVo, you've got the ability to rewind or pause or right. whatever. And then you've got things like YouTube because everything's being posted after the fact. So then people can comb through and study and right. and, and almost to a fine tooth comb. Everything's a Zapruder film. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Social media. I Exactly. Yeah. And it's almost instantaneous with social right. media. Yeah. Everybody's bellied up to the bar. Yes. Uh, you know, That's digitally right. That's and, right. That's yeah, right. And, and, and then, of course, everybody's an expert. No, of course we are. Yeah. Yeah, you and I are. The one, I don't know about everybody else. The more beers I have, the <laughs> higher my yeah. expert rating, yeah, of for course, sure. Of course. <laughs> but uh, so I think with the rise of technology, maybe it's a matter of, I, I don't know. Is it a matter of 
the refs maybe relying too much on that and just saying, ah, well, if I miss it. Afraid we'll, to make we'll, the heartbeat decisions. Right, because yeah. we can just go back and, and check the replay. I don't know if it's that. Um, the other side of it, too, is that I think, I, I wonder if it's not, you know, trying to have a role of sorts, you know, trying to kind of have a presence in all of this and find a presence in all of this. You know, we talked about this with the Spurs uh, series against the Nuggets, you know, three of those games, the officiating was so awful, but the way that the officiating came in, Mm -hmm. it changed the entire momentum swing of games. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying which team it it went for. I'm just saying in general, the way that it came in. And in my mind, my impression of how refereeing, uh, and management should be is that it, it is strictly there to manage the parameter of the games. And it's a line that moves just a little bit. And, and certainly in playoff moments or more serious moments, it should get a little bit more open and allow for some movement, allow the players to play, allow for the talent to uh, serve its purpose, right. if you will. But if it gets out of hand, say in a basketball game, it gets too physical, then you step in. Mm-hmm. Then, then that's your role, right? Is just to manage the game. My issue is that we seem to have gone beyond game management into game impact. Mm-hmm. Now we are a third player essentially in the game as a referee, and and as a fan, it's just annoying. Right. More than anything, it's just annoying to watch. I don't want a referee being a third component in the turnout of the game. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, and the other side of that, then, for the players, and so let's go back to NBA because we're talking NBA now. My issue is that the players are kind of babies about this oh. whole thing. Oh, and they've become awful. extremely dependent on the, on call. the call. Right. And we saw this, and, and I'm going to go right after the Spurs with this one, and we saw this a lot with DeRozan. And this, was, this is what drove me nuts about DeRozan. And I love the guy because he wears the right laundry, right? Right. But he would go up for a layup, and instead of the intention being the layup or the intention being the follow-through of the dunk or the, the, the short putback or whatever it is, it was always with the intention of getting the call. Mm-hmm. And to me, the call is the cherry on top. If you're going for the and one, it's the cherry on top. The first part of the and one is the basket. Right. Right. Then comes the and one. Mm-hmm. So if you're not making the basket, who cares about the call? Right. You know what I'm saying? And for me, let's say that you are getting those calls. You're just making it harder to get the two points and you're right. slowing down the game. Maybe you want that momentum, you know, especially if you guys are on a run, maybe you want to keep some momentum going rather than stopping the game so you can hit two free throws. Yeah. You know, you look at guys like uh, who, who are kind of, Kind of have an old school mentality about that stuff, and I, I think of Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks, who's just a, just a freak, obviously the Greek freak, and 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 you look at the at, at the guys who who kind of have understand that style of basketball. And again, I, you know what? I'll give Kawhi Leonard, give him a nod again. He's a guy that I think really goes to the basket with the intent of scoring. Right. Goes to the basket with the intent of something happening there. Uh, now we have seen him a little more animated during the postseason. Uh, because everybody is, but he's been a little more animated about it. But by the same token, I think he really does. He's a bull, bull charging, you know, when sure. he's heading to the basket. So I kind of look at those kind of guys, and I think they get it. And, you know, and, and, but, and I'll go back to the Rockets, and, and, I, and I, don't, 
I know that I hear that Mike D'Antoni's a great guy. Uh, never had the opportunity. I was there in Phoenix in 07 when the Spurs beat him. Very, very controversial series. Um, but he just, like I said, D'Antoni face is famous. Just get, look at the memes, you know, because all he does, he just is a, he just whines a lot. And I think, and I think it hurts the Rockets. I think they have that reputation. Now they won Game Three, but I saw in Game Three when I was watching it, they didn't get the calls. Right. I saw Harden get absolutely tomahawked two or three times. And but and it, it brought up to me, and I talked to a lot of different guys who are close to the Spurs and close to the different people. We talked about the idea of going back to the 1980s. Right. When you have the Bad Boys Pistons, you have the Lakers, you have the Celtics, you know, with Parrish, and uh, and then you go to Bill Lane Beer with the, with the Pistons. And, and I mean, you could name all these guys. that You drive to the basket against those guys, you're going to get decapitated. Right. And I've and I've talked about the fact that you know I wonder I wonder how Kobe Bryant kind of came out of I think Kobe Bryant was one of the toughest players unheralded how tough he was when he played rarely missed time unless he tore an Achilles right. or something like that but somebody like like a LeBron to play back then uh, when Michael Jordan was playing physical basketball you know when they were banging each other you know going after it uh, Larry Bird Magic Johnson yeah Parrish. You know, go down the list. Even you know, Barkley. Barkley. I yeah. mean, just, just physical. I mean, now they, they complained, obviously. Officials were a part of that whole thing, too. But you didn't have replay. You didn't have that. You had to play. Right. You had to play through the, the, the buzzer every single time down the court. I just, it wasn't a three-point game. It was a lot of a lot more tactics to it, I thought, I think. You know, and I, and I think, and it's like the other night when Dame Lillard hit that 35-foot three-pointer at the buzzer. I thought, hey, an amazing shot. That's a great shot. But, Andrew, that's part of the game now. Right. Guys are shooting from 30 feet, 31, 32 feet out. And I'm with Popovich on this. That's not, it's not great basketball. Right. That's not great basketball. Now, if you move the three-point line back to 30 feet, okay. You know, however, but, but you're still going to be what, the same, you know, on the sides, you know. But I just look at basketball these days, and I find it sometimes between that and the players being soft, like you talked about, and the officiating, and, and A, B, C, D, E, I find the NBA sometimes unwatchable. I just find it so tough. I'm, I qualify that by saying the playoffs add a little bit more spark to it. Every play means something in the playoffs. You're not going to the fourth quarter and then throwing the ball up and it means something all of a sudden. Right. So, anyway, I just wanted to kind of, I, I just, no, I, I thought it, that was very interesting, uh, what was happening with officiating across the board on sports. But in particular, uh, the idea that the Rockets have really brought it to the fore. They have brought it out to the, to the spotlight and said, this sucks. We're not happy with it. Right. We got robbed out of 81 calls last year, which is ridiculous. Right. You know, those kind of things. But the fact that it's, now it's a discussion that's just, just inflamed up into this wildfire. Well, and you bring up a good point because it's, it seems to have spread throughout sports in yeah. general. Yeah. I like what you brought up uh, about instant replay changing the game and and i think i under i think the intent much like anything i think the intent was good and i think that it's being abused mm -hmm. i think that uh players you know sometimes look again too much to the instant replay save the referees save and again it's not it's less on just playing basketball yeah um well, we you see know, it in baseball, too. It, well, right. Yeah. We see it in football. I mean, we mm -hmm. see it a lot of places. Um, 
I go back and forth when we talk about uh, shooting. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's you know, Steph Curry shooter is, uh, you know, it, I mean, that's a guy that spent a lot of time being able to make a lot of shots. Right. You know, so I don't take away too much from that. My issue is that it's not that you can make the shot outside and you can make shots inside. I mean, you can make your shots, make your shots, but don't make your shots needing assistance from that third party, from the referees, and then claim greatness because you're not. And you're exactly right. Put them in the same league you know, get them in a in a time machine and go back in time and play with the real ballers of the heyday and, and then really talk about how great you are or how right. great your shot is. Because until you've got someone breathing down your neck constantly, you know, on top of you, do you really know what it is to make a shot under pressure? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And these they, guys are certainly capable, but they're just in a different era now. But they're not challenged and they're not allowed to be challenged. Right. And and that's certainly in the shooter's favor, but it's not in the favor of defense. Yeah. And I don't I think in to your point, it's not in the favor of the game. Right. Because and, you're yeah. you're cutting part of the game short. Yep. And it's happening and, and again, it's it's uh I I would that's that's always the discussion. Hey, LeBron versus my MJ versus Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson, who who yes, played, you know, in, yeah, in, and I'm right. always I'm always like, look, it's the environment. You know, Bill Russell scored, you know, gazillion points and played, but he was he was such a freak for his time. Right now, everybody's his size. You yes, know, it's, it's right. just a it's a it's a good discussion to have. And actually, we'll, and I and I dare say this isn't going to be the last time we have this discussion. Because, no, 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 uh, no. There's still a lot of basketball left, and then also there's certainly baseball discussions as well. And uh, and Kentucky Derby discussion. That's well. right. That's you know, right. Like that's that. right. Let's put a pin in that. We'll move on. Again, we're going to have Reed Ryan on with us really soon. But before we get there, um, I tell you what, I'm actually going to – we're not going to do a brew topic because I think I want to talk to Reed about some things that he's got going on out there at the park and with the Astros and brewing in particular. Um, but before we get into all of that, let me tell you what's brewing with me. First of all, I'm, I'm sitting here as we talk, and I'm bellied up with a uh, a nice little – uh, goblet, if you will, of uh, Woodford Reserve, my favorite bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there are many opinions about this, but I, I went to the distillery back when we lived in Kentucky. I love Woodford Reserve. Um, and that brings up the Kentucky Derby, as they are the sponsors of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, what did you think about that call? Let me just qualify that by saying I could personally care less. Let me just qualify this, but I'm going to ask you about this, but I don't That's care. That's right. I, really I don't, don't care. care. I know that I, people do. It's controversial, I, I know, I know. so we'll and talk about I it. I do not know anything about horse racing, really. I've seen a lot of horse racing in uh-huh. my day. I've actually written on it. Yeah. But to say I know it is like I've gone to a lot of hockey games. Yeah, right. But do I know hockey? Right. Do I know soccer? Right. Well, you know, that's I know what I know what the goal is. Yeah, right. the goal is to <laughs> or be where it is the horse. Uh, the horse. <laughs> you you want to be the first one to cross the line. That's I right. I understand that's that. Right. You know, beyond but, that, beyond that, I don't know. It's like it's like that old again that old Seinfeld skit about the horse riding all the way around the track gets to the end. This is where I started. <laughs> that's right. What are we doing here? That's right. You know what's going on. Uh, but it, it's at the end of that race. The the, the the lead horse cutting off the horses behind him, which were in a position to cash cash the money and so so I posted that. Look, I've watched this thing over and over again. I don't know what he did wrong. Right, I have no idea. He's a horse. <laughs> He's a horse. 
He's running down the stretch. Of course. Of course, of course. (laughs) He's running down the the stretch. Somebody did something. He spooked him. He went over five feet to the right or something. He cut off the horse behind him. You can't do that. Yeah, right. So so he gets disqualified. Yeah. And so the 65 to 1 odds horse wins the race. So that in a capsule, to me, I I didn't see anything wrong. Right. But I had friends of mine on Facebook like, oh, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> on YouTube, I've rewatched it And good friends of mine who know horse racing, they said, yeah, he, he did something wrong. Yeah, right. But I, I just, it's a horse. Can we also talk about the fact that it was a swamp? Yeah, it was. It was a it, wet track. I mean, I mean, they're running down the, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I love, I, I've always said I'd wanted to go to the Kentucky Derby. I've right. been to the Indy 500. I've done World Series. I've done the Masters. I've done, you know, the, certainly a bunch of Super Bowls. I've been to some really great, uh, great events. I've never been to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, and I hear it's a lot of fun, and I hear you know everyone dresses, sure, you know, insanely, and did all this kind of stuff. So I, I think that would be a blast. But had I been there, I wouldn't have known. I felt bad for all the people that were tore up their tickets. Oh, and apparently, yeah. were like taping their tickets back together because right. you know the sixty-five to one horse won. You know, yeah, right. And they would have won some money. I, I don't know. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that just uh, yeah. But what would you think? I mean, are you like me? I, yeah, I have no interest. I don't care. I have no I interest. You, so you just asked me that. I just asked you. Well, okay. well in, the, in the spirit of the fact that my favorite bourbon is, in fact, Woodford Reserve, the sponsor, the official sponsor uh, of... And there is nothing, you know, there's nothing controversial about that. No. No, 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 no. 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 See, I would love to go, but only for the bourbon. Mm-hmm. I would go for the bourbon, but that's about it. Right. I, I could care less about the gambling. I could care less about... So the race would just be a backdrop. To, you know, a lot of absolutely. events are like that, actually. Yes. You know, it's the, right, right. It the greatest two minutes in sports, or whatever they say about the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> no, right. no, it's the it's the two days leading up to it. That's exactly that right. That I'm all about. That's exactly right. I'm all about the two Tell days. Tell you what, we're going to have to... We should go on oh, location yeah. and then film this whole this whole. Oh, setup. yeah, yeah. And you know what we should do is, while the race is going on, we should be talking about baseball or something. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> These horses are running behind us, and we don't, we don't care. We got our bourbon. We got everything. We got that's our, right. That's we'll, right. We'll wear some fancy hats, little the little derby hats, and everything. And we'll just the, the horses. People will be going nuts. We'll be like, hey, how about the? That's about, right. We should start how about a those rangers. Fu- a crowd funder for that. <laughs> how about those rangers? That's great. What's happening behind us? We don't know. And go, people are go yelling. Fund me to see this nonsense take place. So maximum security apparently either did or did not get hosed in that race. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I so don't. This is a, this is the extent that I've even thought of it, yeah. and I've already gotten bored. So <laughs> I think we can put a pin in that one and move on. So. Uh, real quick, before we again, we're going to have Reed with us just shortly. Uh, the Dallas Stars had a chance to take it today. Yeah, they were up three uh, two. Unfortunately, they go down four one to St. Louis Blues. Up three so two in games. They were up three two in games, and, and they then they, the, they lost four goals lost to game one. Six, so we have a game seven. So they have a game seven. It looks like that'll be in St. Louis. And little side note with that, they had their famous uh, Dave from Fort Worth, the famous picture of the guy sitting oh, out yeah. there watching, uh, watching. I think game three or game four uh, in the rain with the umbrella, and they gave him tickets. What's funny about this is is that they amused. Uh, that you know he was better served in the rain outside the stadium because they won that game, right? And the the writer mused that you know if you let him in, you mm-hmm. run the risk of changing the tides, if you will, right? And then there you go, they they gave him tickets and and they were great about it. And I love stories like that where where uh, you know teams take care of their fans. 
But lo and behold, he gets in the stadium and they lose. So right. We'll yeah, see. What are you doing? So, hey, the, the, another interesting side note from that series uh, before we get Reed Ryan on here in a moment is uh, Jordan Bennington, the goalie for the St. Louis Blues, uh-huh. was called up from San Antonio where no he played kidding. for the Rampage midway through this season and basically saved their season. Wow. This guy came in as goalie and has just been outstanding. And uh, the guys, uh, a couple of friends of mine who are just monster, monster hockey fans, say, look, there's not too many stories like this. Yeah. Where a guy's got, finally got his opportunity. Uh, he's he's uh, 25, I think. He's a youngster. Right. And they call him up, and he's been outstanding for the Blues. And as you said, in game six, four to one, the stars fall to the Blues. That's right. Which means he probably played some pretty good uh, pretty good hockey between the pipes. That's See, cool. I know my hockey between the pipes. That, yeah, that's I'm right. I'm all over this. That's right. That's right. I'm that's really cool. That, you, that means we probably saw him. We did. At yeah, some we, point. we love Rampage, and we've seen a lot of Rampage hockey. And, and he's, uh, he's a guy that uh, got his opportunity, has made the most of it this year. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he began the, 19, the 2018 19 season with the Rampage, was recalled to the NHL on December the 9th, made his uh, first NHL start on January the 7th, and shut out the Philadelphia Flyers 3 to nothing. And he hasn't, uh, hasn't looked at, he had 25 saves in that game, and he has been, he has been their star player since. Wow. So a lot of fun to watch. So you go to Rampage games, you go to Missions games, right. uh, to see the Brewers AAA team now, and, um, uh, you see those teams play, and you know that you've got some great things happening. So, speaking of great things happening, we have been looking forward to this. Uh, uh, Reed Ryan, a great, great guy, president of the uh, Houston Astros, joining us on What's Brewing Sports. That's right. Obviously, Andrew, the, the Ryan name is familiar. It's, it's an iconic name in the state of Texas. But Reed is, is, is a familiar name in San Antonio. He's done so much here. We talked about Big League Weekend uh, had that here at the Al- at the Alamo Dome. Probably the most unique baseball experience I've ever had was being a part of that and, and being able to to be uh, kind of the moderator for some of those great panels that they had the nights before the game started. Uh, Reed, a big part of bringing that here, and also in minor league baseball. You know, when you talk about the obviously he's president of the Astros, pretty big task, right? But Ryan Sanders baseball, uh, they they operate and own the Round Rock Express, Corpus Christi Hooks. Uh, there's there's so much baseball uh, history and legacy with the, with that French with that uh, that's a franchise all its own, Ryan Sanders baseball. So Reed, welcome, and uh, how are things going in Houston these days? Well, hello, men. I'm uh, <laughs> doing well right now. You know, we're in first place one month into the year. Um, you know, really probably going as well as we could expect. We've done, done nothing but play teams with a winning record. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole month, and so I'm kind of looking forward to getting to the middle of our schedule this year when maybe we're not playing uh, teams that are as good as uh, the Indians and the Twins and the Yankees and some of these other clubs we played. No, oh, the pitching has been absolutely outstanding for a lot of the clubs that you've been facing this year, and that's been, you know, that's interesting. You know, getting right into the baseball side of things, Reed, your overview of the season so far, you know, the just the just the – the target on the backs of this franchise, which obviously is a wonderful evolution for the Astros from for where they've come to where they are today. Uh, but you look at, at coming into this season, the, the pressure, the expectations uh, were pretty magnificent for, for this Astros team. How do you see that? How do you see this team uh, responding so far this year? And, and, and as just as an overview, how do you think the season's gone? Well, it's gone great so far. Um, 
you know, we're coming off two, you know, years. One, we went 101 games and win the World Series in 2017. And then last year, we win a club record 103 games. And we lose in the ALCS to the Red Sox, who end up winning the World Series. And if you look at the last four years, whoever's won the playoff series in Houston has gone on to win the World Series, whether it was the Royals, us, or or the Red Sox. So, so the expectation level is high, and it's what we want. Um, I did a talk today at a Chamber of Commerce here in town, and you know, people now are measuring us not by winning seasons or playoff appearances. The only measuring stick, as the Spurs know, once you win a title, and the Cowboys know, is more titles. And so that's really where we are, that this group has very high expectations. And we're now building a team and an organization that, you know, hopefully will have a shot to, to win another one. And that's what we're all doing here, and that's the goal. When you look at the overview, when you look at the team itself and how, how it's kind of meshed, you know, one of the things that – a lot of the great articles coming into this season. And, you know, you mentioned the Spurs, and that's something that here in San Antonio that we've taken great pride in. And and I went to spring training last year with the Astros. The A lot of the discussion in the locker room from our perspective, because we came in from San Antonio, was, look, you know, you have a Spurs franchise that's made the playoffs now 22 consecutive years. So they've they've had stability at the top. You know, the, the operation of the club has been pretty stable uh, for, for years and years and years. And, and, you know, when I look at, at what the Astros are building and what you've put together over the last five or six years and with Jeff Luno and, and, and the operations staff that you've had, I know you've had a few changes, but can you talk about that a little bit? You know, when you look at a Spurs franchise, and, and, and I know, I don't think I'm being, speaking out of turn to say they're the model for a lot of, for a lot of people around yep. the country. Uh, how do you see what you'd like to do in Houston in relation to that? Yeah, it's very similar. I think when you look at, you know, the three franchises in the state of Texas uh, that have had a lot of success, it's been the Cowboys, the Spurs, and the Astros. And we just never had won the championship. We'd gotten close a lot of times in the playoffs. And so we want to be like the Spurs. And it really starts with solid ownership. Our owner, Jim Crane, I, I don't think gets enough credit for having, you know, kind of the fortitude to break this thing down and build it all the way back and build it up for the long term. And he brought in an architect and Jeff Lunar, general manager, president of baseball ops. And we've had tremendous consistency. And, you know, I've come in with the business plan and with the marketing and kind of the connection with the community. And I think the last piece of the puzzle for us really was, was AJ Hinch because he's having to communicate with the players on a daily basis, uh, you know, where we're going. And then he's obviously making all the decisions during the game. And so this group and the consistency of this group really, you know, from 15 on uh, has been pretty special. But we think we're just on, you know, the very beginning of what's going to be a long run here, uh, not on the tail end of what, you know, has been a run. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's exciting for us. And when you look at the people we've been able to tie up, um, you know, with Altuve and Bregman, uh, with Verlander for the next couple years. And the team on the field right now is going to be, you know, basically all intact again next year. So we're in a win now mode. We think that, uh, we've got a great club. The addition of Michael Brantley, uh, has been a big pickup. Um, you know, I know a lot of folks wanted to see us sign Marlon Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel back, but we replaced those guys with a lead Miss Diaz who's been an all-star and can play all over the field. 
and uh, Wade Miley, who has had some big playoff wins and has thrown really well for us. And then we have a lot of young prospects. So we think we're we're there, and there's really two, two seasons within baseball. One is the 162-game marathon, which we think we are very well suited for. Mm-hmm. And most people, Vegas, ESPN, all of the – you know, magazines that, that pick uh, have us, you know, winning the most games or at the top of the league. And then we have to have a team for the sprint and seeing, you know, Justin Verlander pitch so well this year and knowing we have Garrett Cole and then how good our bullpen is with Asuna and Presley, right. you know, and we can beat you so many ways uh, with Correa or Reddick or Altuve or Springer, Bregman, you know, really the, the two weak spots that we've had, has kind of been the consistency of our DH this year uh, offensively and then then offensive production from our catching spot. Uh, and, you know, as soon as we say that, Trinos had a big home run the other night on Sunday Night Baseball. And so, uh, you know, we feel like this club is really set for both of those, the marathon and the sprint. And you get in the dance and then you got to get lucky. And that series could have gone our way last year with Boston if, uh, you know, we don't have the fan interference call. Maybe Ben Attendee misses that diving catch or the ball doesn't sit on top of the fence in Fenway when Marwin's waiting on it to roll down. I mean, just very little things end up changing a series. And so we'll take our chances with what we have and should be a fun year this year. Yeah, and be, being healthy is a big part of that too. I know by the time uh, that Red Sox series rolled around, don't you don't like to make excuses, but th- there were some surgeries followed up all that, you know, so <laughs> – you know, and, and, and one more thing almost to that point, Reed, is that it, it's great to have a lot of talent, obviously. It, it's uh, preferable <laughs> to have that kind of up and down your roster. But one of the things, and we say that here in San Antonio a lot of times, they will talk about bringing in a player to the Spurs, but they'll say, uh, and it really, it's it's actually a phrase, he's not a Spur. He's not a, yeah. he, he doesn't have a Greg Popovich type you know, approach to the ball game. He doesn't fit into the system, the square peg in the square hole. Hey, I will do what you need me to do to win. And I saw yeah. that when you brought in Michael Brantley as a for as an example, uh, a guy who has, uh, and you know, I was almost heartened to hear uh, or to read a lot of the coverage or hear a lot of the discussion about bringing in a guy like that who uh, kind of fit the mold of the locker room, uh, a guy who's uh, kind of a, a high quality, high character guy. Uh, was was a guy who held others accountable around him. Uh, talk about that for a moment. I mean, I know you know a lot of teams. There's a lot of super teams out there, but there's there's also the ingredient of having a locker room, uh, a guy shoulder to shoulder, uh, on and off the field. Well, what's great about the Michael Brantley move, and you know, our baseball ops team led by Jeff Luno. Uh, really liked the fact that he was a high-contact, low-strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the type of lineup we have, being able to keep the line moving uh, and not striking out is big because we've got so many people that can, can do damage. The flip side of the good player, good person, you know, sort of coin that you just talked about, I think it's easier when you have so many guys – that come up through the system. And so when you look at our team, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Springer, uh, all Marisnik, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, not Marisnik, um, Tyler White, Tony Kemp, all guys that came through our system. And when you have that, 
these guys know the Astro way. They've come through the ranks. It's a long family. And then we're able to complement. So whether it was Beltron coming in in 15, you know, or Brantley coming in this year or Reddick a couple years ago, those guys end up molding to the ethos of the team instead of just a bunch of mercenaries coming together. And so I think it's finding the right guys. They have to be good players first. But that goes back to the A.J. Hinch locker room and how he's able to command these guys and, and get them to buy into what, what we're doing. And you look at the pitching staff, we have most of those guys have come from somewhere else. And so uh, it's not always that way. But what's great with the pitchers is they know we're going to score a lot of runs mm-hmm. and they know our track record with Brent Strom and turning guys' careers around using some of the advanced analytics and so we have guys that are very willing to buy into our way of doing things. And it's because of the success we had. I don't think that's any different than what the Spurs have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to shift the conversation just a little bit, if I could. Um, as we talked about, you know, the incredible roster you guys have put together. But I want to talk a little bit about the incredible facility that you guys have uh, continued to build upon I know recently you guys have opened up the Hall of Fame part of the park, uh, but you guys have done a lot of things out there. Could you talk a little bit about that and uh, how you're improving the fan experience? Yeah, so it really, once again, goes back to the commitment that Jim Crane and our ownership group have had. And when you know I got here in 13, they'd owned the club a year. And Jim wanted to have one of the best ballparks in baseball. And when you look at... What makes a great ballpark? I think having a unique facility is is probably like first and foremost. Uh, Our ballpark has so much character. And now that the downtown area has really developed around it, you know, we're just kind of starting to hit our prime at Minute Maid Park. And so we we made a commitment to to rebuild the entire stadium. Uh, We took out center field. We added all of the amenities out there. We redid the diamond club and the club level and all the lower bowl, the upper bowl. We've redone just about everything except the suite level. And we're hoping to do that here in the next couple of years. And that's taken money that we have plowed back into, uh, into the facility. But we looked at where we were on our trajectory of the rebuild in 13. And we said, look, we have money now. We're not spending it on players. Let's put it into the facility, and it's going to last us a long time. And then in concert with that, we went to the city and the sports authority, um, who's our landlord, and we said, look, we have a desire to renew our lease. And we had 11 years left. And you start saying, well, that's a long time. But really, if you're not going to stay in a building, you're not going to spend any money on maintaining it the last 10 years, you're just going to let it go. And we looked at what the Rangers were doing. You know, they're spending over a billion dollars to build a brand new stadium right next to a stadium that's 25 years old. Right. It's hard to look people in the eyes and say, Hey, we're looking out for a community's best interest uh, to do something like that. And we looked at what would a new stadium look like? Where would it go? And we came up with a plan that look, this is a great, a great building. We've maintained it. Well, Let's commit to another 20 years and let's come up with a plan where we take all of our rent payment, we increase it, and we just put it right back in the building to maintain the city's asset. And so that's the plan we launched. We were able to sign it last year and we've continued to add. And I know you guys uh, like craft beer. We've been able to add a lot (laughs) of craft beer in the ballpark. Yeah, I I love the Crawford Bach. I just think that's the, the greatest name I've heard in I don't know how long. 
Well, it's pretty neat. So we actually have, you know, the craft beer whole phenomenon here in Texas actually started at Rice in the late 90s with a guy named Brock Wagner. Mm -hmm. And Brock would be great to get on the show. He's a big baseball fan, and he launched St. Arnold's. And so that became one of the first craft brewers. And then Cellus started in Austin about the same time. Now, Lone Star and a lot of the other Texas brewers, Shiner, have been around a lot longer. But as far as like micro brews, those two guys were kind of the first ones. And out of the Brock Wagner St. Arnold's growth, all of these other brands have popped up out of it. And we have about, I don't know, 10 to 20 here in Houston. And the one that's been really running a hot second to St. Arnold's has been Carbach and uh, Blake Robertson. And what's neat about Blake is they were a distributor that became a brewer. And so Blake and his crew uh, recently took some capital to expand from AB, which in a lot of ways, uh, the craft brewing world, you know, thought that was, uh, you know, was blasphemy. But it's enabled them to be able to grow their brewery. And they have a really neat, neat brewery right off 290. And one of the things they wanted to do with us was create a custom beer for Minute Maid Park. And out of that came Crawford Bach. And it has been wildly popular. Um, Love Street is another one of their brands that I that I like actually a little bit better than Crawford Bach, but Crawford Bach is really good and it it's a uh, it's a lot like a Shiner Bach or a Ziegen Bach and it's got the rainbow can with the star and uh, it's been so popular in fact that they've had to put all of the production almost exclusively to Minute Maid Park wow. because the brewery's small. And we're taking all of their inventory because they can't keep up with demand right now. So that's how popular it's been. That's outstanding. Wow. That's, that's crazy. A, that, that, uh, uh, he, that was even more craft beer that we needed from, from <laughs> Reed. You were <laughs> we outstanding, just, we just Reed. Got that education. One. Yeah, we might be using that for a few months now. Thank you very much for that. Well, and he went out, give, me, give me your address, and next time I'm in San Antonio, I'll uh, swing by and drop you off some. Okay? That's exactly what I want to hear. We might have some of uh, Laura Oliver's uh, lasagna waiting for you, too. Hey, but before before we let you go, uh, we got to talk San Antonio for just a moment. And as I, as I prefaced at the beginning, um, the, the Ryan family, Ryan Sanders baseball, has been very aggressive uh, in, in bringing some great baseball experiences to San Antonio over the years. And uh, a couple of, couple of aspects to this question. One is uh, kind of the excitement of having Round Rock, the Express, and the Corpus Christi, or the San Antonio Missions, which are now AAA team of the uh, Milwaukee yep. Brewers, having that showdown kind of reignited in the Pacific Coast League again. And also kind of your thoughts about baseball in San Antonio. There's been a lot of discussion about where are we going to build a triple-A ballpark, uh, you know, upping our game, uh, forgive the pun, in San Antonio regarding baseball. You know there are fans here. I'm not sure there's a bigger Astros fan than, than this one right here. But how about that? Number one, the, the rivalry, what that will mean for, for baseball in Central Texas, but also kind of how you look at San Antonio, because I know you've invested in this town in the past uh, regarding baseball. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, um. I think that it's going to be fun to have the Round Rock San Antonio rivalry going again. Um, they were the two closest stadiums when we were in the Texas League, and we had a lot of fans that went back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Round Rock went away and <clears throat> Corpus came in um, was good for the hooks, and, and it was fun for San Antonio, but it was a little bit further than making that hour and a half drive. And so I think it's going to be good. I, our, the fans in Austin love the Wolf, and you know, summertime, the weather's nice over there because you're in the shade in the evening, and I, I think it'll be a good time, and 
the fans in Round Rock sure love seeing people from San Antonio. So I think it'll be fun to have that rivalry going again. I know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Burl and uh, Dave and all the guys with missions are great people and we like them a lot. And it'll be fun to hopefully I can get over there and see them. Yeah, it's too bad you have to deal with that J.J. Gotch that guy, though. That I know that's probably a problem for you most of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. what a troublemaker that guy is. So, uh, uh, J.J., we, of course, he's, he's, a, he's an outstanding guy. I'm kidding. No, well, J.J.'s great. Sorry, I was coughing there. It's been, been allergy season here. But, um, you know, I love San Antonio. Getting to launch Big League Weekend, I had the idea to do that. And I was lucky enough that, that Dave Elmore let us come into town and – and do that, and we had some incredible games, and it, that was just a lot of fun. And look, I, I think one day, um, baseball, now that I'm on the inside at Major League Baseball, has things that we have to continue to monitor and watch uh, the next CBA with our players because guys like Kimbrell and Keiko and J.D. Drew and guys that haven't signed uh, – free agent deals because of the qualifying offer and and having to wait till later in the year, it's probably going to be addressed at some point. Um, You know, the way that our, our game uh, goes, people were like, Oh, nobody's spending any money. And then the last 30 days of, you know, before opening day, baseball spent $4 billion on long-term deals, Mm $4 billion on long-term deals, more than has ever been spent before. And so, that creates some haves and some have-nots amongst teams. It creates haves and have-nots amongst players. And so the next CBA, I think, is going to be important uh, on top of that with you know pace of game that we feel like is important for a league uh, with the OTT streaming versus cable versus over-the-air. So there are some real kind of – big pieces that are going to have to be worked out over the next couple of years. But eventually I see baseball probably wanting to expand and I see baseball eventually probably adding another round of playoffs and maybe one day, you know, baseball even having uh, a completely different alignment. Um, you know, the fact the Astros and the Rangers playing the American league West and our games are on at nine o'clock at night uh, when we're out there for a lot of our fans I don't think is in the best interest of the fans. And so Mm -hmm. over the next, you know, I don't think it's going to be one to two years, but it could it be in the next 10 years. Yeah. I think one day in the next 10, 10 years, you might see cities like a San Antonio or an Austin or a Portland or Charlotte or Montreal or Vegas, those type cities uh, having momentum to, to see somebody try to bring a major league baseball club. And I think, there's going to be a lot of factors at play as to who ends up getting those. Uh, but I think at some point going to 32 teams probably makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. And we'll just wait and see if uh, the economics are there. Well, it, it, if you guys want to come in here and get a, get a ballpark built, we'd sure appreciate that. That, uh, that's, <laughs> well, as far as I know you got goes, other stuff happening, Reed, but if you want yeah, to take I mean, care I've of that for us, I've got a job down here in Houston. <laughs> yeah. Listen, once you, if you get get that thing, yeah i'll see if i can do that on the weekend yeah do your spare time build us a triple a ballpark we'd appreciate that yeah my my goal is to try to see if we can win another world series or two here in houston which uh you know what the the neat thing is in today's game you want to be one of those 33 percent that make the playoffs and when that happens you know what you just got to get hot and so feel really good about our chances of getting in this year if we stay healthy and uh, if we do, who knows, man? It may be, uh, I'd like, love to have a run like the Giants had a couple years ago. 
Well, it'd be fun to have you guys uh, win that again because I've, I still, uh, I still, if I'm having a bad day, I just crank up that that DVD from a couple of years ago and watch that game game seven. That was so much fun. So, hey, Reed, thank you so much for giving us some time today on what's brewing sports. Uh, we can't wait to go and see you in Houston. Andrew and I have talked about it. We're going to come. Uh, maybe do our show from there, even across the street or something, and just stare at that beautiful ballpark and get something done there. <laughs> well, right. Come on, call me. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get you in the ballpark. We'll let you guys do it from the stadium. Maybe you can do it from uh, the St. Arnold's Bar or do it from the uh, the Love Street Bar or something like that. That would be fun. Well, you're and speaking, if you're speaking in, our language. <laughs> and if you're in San Antonio, what I would say is we still have some great weekend series. Uh, we've got the Rangers a couple times here this year. We've got uh, the Red Sox. Uh, here we actually have the Cubs on uh, Memorial Day coming up, and uh, and then we've got uh, man in June and July we have a lot of weekend series. I think five. So if you want to come over, spend a couple days. Uh, the schedule really lays out well for people coming in from out of town this year. Well, and as I've told you, you and I talked about it last year. Um, our mayor Ron Nuremberg, uh, well, presuming, but uh, our mayor is a monster Red Sox fan, monster. So. I had to I had to deal with some pain last year after the uh, ALCS with him, but so uh, we may be dragging him with us, uh, and, and he wants to come and see some baseball as well. But I told him I said, "Prepare for misery, my friend, if we <laughs> if we bring you to, because we're in a no mercy this time around." So. That's right. That's right. He can drive himself. <laughs> exactly. Reed, thank you so much. We so we appreciate it so much. We know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. But let me tell you, uh, I, I'm confident in saying San Antonio is Astros country. And uh, it's it's great to, to speak to you today about uh, what I believe to be the best, second best franchise behind San Antonio Spurs on the planet. So Right. And, and But you know what? In my personal world, there might be some real wrestling on that one as well. So, Reed, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate it. All right, Richard, Andrew, you guys be good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to this one. This has been What's Brewing Sports, episode 14. You guys can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, What's Brewing Sports, Twitter, What's Brewing SP. Thank you guys so much for your continued followership. Please continue to spread the word. Rate us, review us, five stars, please. We've had a great time with this one. We hope you have as well, and we look forward to the next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. 